Hello everybody and welcome back to the Sad Boys Podcast, the podcast where you listen to somebody you don't care about, talk about things you don't care about, but you really do care about the person who's talking, so in turn you care about what I'm talking about. And today, I'm going to be talking about a very interesting topic, and that is the human psych. Everything from insanity to murder, psychopaths, to depression. All, everything from the basics to the very deep stuff. So let's get it started. Um... Basically, the human psyche is is the way, the way I define it is basically why the human mind works the way it does. You know, like why when someone jumps out at us, all of a sudden do we get scared? Well, to me, it's very simple. From the time we evolved as a species, we have been, our instincts have been trained to react a certain way. For example, a couple weeks ago, one of my friends jumped out from behind the corner and scared me. Now, keep in mind, at this moment, I was very, I was very high on marijuana. But, um, so my reaction was very delayed. But I jumped, and I, I sort of felt this process go on through my head, which I can only interpret as the process that would normally go on when somebody scares you, just at a very, very much slower rate. I thought. This person might hurt me. Options. Fight or flight. Which is... Everybody knows this flight or flight response. Which is... One of the most basic principles of the human... Uh... Instincts. So I thought flight because the person scaring me was smaller. So... Again, I thought what was the best course of action? Do I punch? Do I kick? Do I claw? You know, what do I do? I thought, I thought punch, so I sort of, I really didn't even, like, wind up, I sort of just, my arm went straight from my side, straight to his chest, and he was, um, he was disabled for a couple minutes, he couldn't breathe, you know, and sort of, I like to use these experiences as almost a way to learn about it, so, you know, you have you have certain people whose instincts aren't very sharp. You have people whose reflexes aren't very sharp. And I think reflexes and instincts are very closely knit. I, I'd say they almost fall from the same apple tree. But then you have certain people who are have instincts and reflexes that are above ours. And as much as it pains me to say this, oftentimes these people are sociopaths or killers and for whatever reason it may be these instincts and reflexes and stuff they are sharpened in them in a way that is almost primal you know a show that I believed captured this point very well was um Dexter uh, which I would recommend you all watch it is a fantastic show but basically he Dexter is a um, is a serial killer who only kills other killers who have fallen through the cracks of justice. And throughout the show, he often references his lizard lizard brain, which I believe is the amygdala, and that's where sort of the flight or flight response comes from. And you know, it's very it's very interesting concept because 
you often see that these people are able to avoid certain dangerous situations that I believe a normal person wouldn't be able to avoid. And, um, you know, it's just, I don't, like, it's very interesting to me, like, why is it that these people have these reflexes sharpened? Is it because, you know, it's a more natural way? I hate saying that, but is it more natural? Is it more primal? Is it more back to where we came came from as a species? Because... No, I don't know how much I would have referenced this in my first episode, and um, but no, humans started off as wanderers, and before we settled into um, you know, our villages and tribes and so on and so forth, you know, we had. I'm sure there was a lot of killing going on. I'm sure. Again, as much as it sickens me to say that it, there's a lot of people that may have gotten enjoyment from this. And, you know, I feel like... I feel like there's a certain gene in the human body that sort of determines this. This sociopathy, this sharpening of these primal instincts. So, you know, I feel like it's a very... It's a very interesting topic. I feel like... You know, people should pay more attention to this because you never knew who you're interacting with because I'm pretty sure one of the teachers in my school is a sociopath. He just, he sort of gives off that vibe. I wouldn't be surprised you know, if, he, if he had killed multiple people already. He sort of just has that eerie feeling about him that sort of almost false feel about him. Like, you can tell there's something off. And another point that, you know, that that, that the show Dexter brought up was, you know, can these people change? Can they be, you know, trained to do a certain way? For example, in the show, he... Uh, Dexter was trained by his father, Harry, to abide by something his father created, which was the code, and it sort of, it was almost like a set of morals that determined who he could kill, and, you know, he had to be very thorough with this, and most serial killers operate on a set of morals like this, you know, or a set principle, because... It's just how they work. It's oftentimes it has to do with, you know, often serial killers have other mental issues such as OCD. So they sort of they like everything to be neat and clean. For example, you had the Zodiac killer who, um, I believe it was the summer of 69 if I'm correct let me just look this up in a minute gotta get my computer turned on hold on but you know correct me if I'm wrong the summer of 69 he went on he killed multiple people you know he was never caught and I believe it's because 
he was very careful, you know. But he was still able to do some very serious things, you know. He actually sent a letter to police taunting them. And many people claim that he could have been caught had a correct description give, been given out to uh, patrol units. You know, they would have known it was him, but he, in my opinion, he was able to sort of push away the attention from himself and push it towards, you know, the description that was given. I think that's a very... It's a very, um, you could say, it's a very interesting concept, like, how was he able to do that, or was it just the fault of our own police departments, but, anyway, that's off topic. These pe- these, I, I really don't like to even call them people, I got off topic there, you know, I said, can they be changed, and... Personally, like, can not can they be changed, but can they be sort of molded and used to sort of help? You know, I feel like the show Dexter raises a very important moral question, you know. If a serial killer kills other killers, is it justified, you know? Some people would say no, it's still killing, but others would say yes, he's helping keep the streets safe. And, you know, he's going after these predators, you know killers, serial killers, drug lords, and everything. These people who have committed unspeakable indign- indignities upon other people and sort of setting a balance in the world because they got away with it. Uh, for example, he one of the episodes he went after um, a person who smuggled immigrants in the country for a fee and went and if those people couldn't pay the fee they were sort of they were kept in very harsh conditions and you know he he righted that wrong because those people got away with it for so long and you know it's sort of you know, like where's the line drawn between wrong and right like we as a nation we allow the death penalty to um, take care of some of these people for certain things, but um, you know we don't let we don't allow vigilantes because oftentimes they are, you know, um, they are inaccurate and erratic at best. But, you know, for with serial killers oftentimes, in the case of Dexter, you, he was molded from a very young age. So I feel like if found at a very young age that with a little bit of time, you can get these people to, you know, use this problem that they have for good. You know, get something out of it. But then you have to ask the question now. A lot of times, uh, these serial killers and, you know, sociopaths are often very good liars. They are, 
incredible at creating a facade almost a false life you know you had somebody like John Wayne Gacy who you know at one point everybody most people that knew him thought he was just you know a guy that would dress up as a clown and go out to kids birthday parties and entertain them but you know he turned out to be one of the most notorious serial killers in the nation's history and you know the question has to be asked how many how many people have been getting away with something like this for so long because they they're so good at creating that false identity that you know it's it's just crazy to think about you know I think there's the FBI thinks there's 13 active serial killers in the US right now that was the last I checked I did a little bit of research for this episode I want to check all my facts to make sure I got everything right real quick but um you know like I was saying can what can these people be trained to use this illness for good um I believe that with the right individual it could happen but it can't just be anyone you have to you have to catch this you would have to catch it when they're extremely young you would have to instill the right morals in them and even then there's no guarantee so personally I think it could be done but I wouldn't recommend it it's just too big a risk you know the at any time they could go rogue and now on to another thing about serial killers um oh, oftentimes they they have a they lead a double life um, you know they have they have you could call it their service life and then you have their their killing life again I know I'm quoting the show a lot uh, the show Dexter uh, Dexter was a forensic analyst at uh, the Miami Police Department and he had a wife and a kid he had stepkids and you know he was able to keep this fake life up for so long that you know sort of makes you wonder like can these people hide like that is it possible should we be afraid that the person next door could kill us at any time so you know you have to sort of think about that sometimes. And then... You could also say that there's... Um, a problem with the fact that these people often lack what you could call empathy. Uh... I don't know why I keep going quiet, I'm sorry. But, um... I'm just reading. I was right, uh... 68 was the date of the Zodiac killings, but... Um... You have to ask the question, like... These people don't feel any natural emotion. And that's often a giveaway for a serial killer, but, you know... 
there's just people in the world who just don't feel it, but they're not serial killers. They lack, they lack empathy. They lack, you know, compassion. They don't feel for other people. They don't. But you know, can another question has to be asked? You know, can emotions be teached? Can you teach someone to feel an emotion, or even just fake it, just fake it well enough to? You know, understand it at its basic core and be able to express it. So, you know, you have to, you have to really just think about it. You know, could the person sitting next to you, in wherever you are, be a serial killer and you not even know it? So, on to my next topic. You have to. I want to talk about, which is a topic that I feel very strongly about, which is, um, you know, mental health, you know, mental health affects a great deal of people, and it's often stigmatized, and, you know, it's not very much talked about openly, it's gotten better in recent years, but, you know, it's still, it still has a long way to go, you know, for example, you have, like, problems with mostly depression and you know it's a very a big problem in the world you know people suffer from this every day and you know they don't talk about it with anyone so you have to it's a very sensitive topic for many people including me because you know I I do suffer from uh MDD, which is a major depressive disorder, and, um, you know, it's very, it's very sensitive, but, you know, it definitely needs to be talked about more, you know, people need to change the stigma around it, you know, people like, bands like 21 Pilots have been doing it for a long time, and, you know, I feel like a lot of people in this world appreciate that and what they're trying to do. But, you know, there's still people who just refuse to talk about it. And that's means a very big problem for a lot of reasons. You know, you have, you have suicide when people don't get the help that they need because they're too, they're too afraid to ask for it. Which, you know, I feel like is a very, it's a very big problem, you know. You know I almost... I had a similar problem to some of these people, and I still do suffer from this. So, you know, it's very... This topic hits very close to home for me. I know for a fact that traumatic traumatic events cause something like this. For example, um, a close relative of mine uh, was assaulted while under anesthesia in a hospital, and afterwards she became severely depressed and you know she refuses to get any help she refuses to go anywhere she refuses to eat to drink and then when she does she does it too much and you know it's just not healthy mentally or physically you know and you know I feel like most of this blame can be placed on um the person who did this to her, so, you know, I don't know if I 
I'm not going to mention any names, even though I know who this person is and, and I had considered confronting them. You know, I'm not going to... I mean, I should confront them, but, you know, it's it's not my place. I wouldn't want to do this without her knowing, so, you know. But you have to sort of... You know, if you feel like somebody's suffering from depression, you know, talk to them about it. Don't push too far. You know, this is coming from someone who suffers from it. And, you know, it helps to talk about it, but you have to sort of know when to ease off a little bit. And, um, excuse me, I'm just going to take a sip of my tea. That's good. Um, you have to... There's always boundaries with this type of thing, even, you know, with something as serious depression. You know, you can't just go in and be like, you know, you're going to tell me everything about this, and I don't care how you feel about it. You're going to tell me how you feel, why you feel this way. You know, you can't do that. You know, that'll cause that person to shut down, and they then you won't be able to get anything out of them. And, um, you know... I feel like it's important to seek help if you are suffering from something like this. So if anybody happens to listen to this and, you know, you're suffering from depression, you know, it's okay to talk to somebody about it. But just, you know, make sure it's somebody you trust. Make sure, you know, you have your own boundaries and make sure that you know your own boundaries, you know. After a certain age, you are entitled to uh, private consultation with um, with a uh, licensed doctor, and you know. So it is okay to talk to somebody about it. You know, you just have to you just have to ha- have the courage to ask for it. You have to you know find someone you trust and talk to them about getting help. Excuse me again. And. You know. A lot of people. They don't really take. Depression that seriously. You know. They just think. Oh. They're just sad. Or if it's during the teen years. They just say. It's oh. Hormones. Or something like that. You know. They're just. Their body's changing. They. They're just sad. But you know. You know. It's. You can never be too sure, you know. You can never... You can never just... You know, just answer it with something as simple as... Oh, it's it's all about the age, the body's changing, you know. It's, a lot of times it's never simpler than that, you know. You know, even just having a friend to talk to... A lot of times can make all the difference in the world. You know, even just... Like, sometimes it can be the people we least expect. Sometimes it's the random cousin that you haven't talked to in three years, but, you know, they're at a party and you got on the topic somehow and they they really gave you some advice to her. You know, maybe it's the guy that was sitting across from you on the train that, the, you know, gave you some uh, good advice on how to deal with this stuff. And, um... You know, it's very important to talk about this subject because I feel like 
it has caused a lot of um, it's caused a lot of unnecessary tragedies you know that easily could have been prevented had this person had the confidence or had you know the support that was necessary they wouldn't have you know died you know they wouldn't have put their friends and family through this kind of suffering had we not had such a horrible stigma about it you know know, like like in school uh, there's these stickers that some teachers have you know have hope it's okay not to be okay but you know it's not okay not to be okay and I'm not saying that you know if you're not okay you should just go you know go kill yourself I'm saying I'm saying you know it's not okay to be okay so go get that hope that you need go get that you know, go get that person, go find, not go get that person, go find that person, go, you know, go online, just talk to somebody, anybody, you know, go online, just find somebody to talk to, you know, so you have to, you know, if you're, if you don't suffer from it, but you know somebody that suffers from it, you know, just try to talk to them about it, but don't push it too much, but, you know, if you are suffering from this illness, you know, you have to, you have to have that strength and hold out until you can get that help that you need. And it's better, sooner better than later because, you know, scars are ugly. I can tell you for a fact they are. I have multiple, you know, but, you know, I don't want anybody to go through something like I have, you know. It's not always about finding out the reason why somebody's depressed, you know. That can be a good step at a later point. But, and even for the beginning, you know, if they're comfortable. It's all about if they're comfortable. But, you know, a good beginning step would, you know, especially if they're self-harm would be getting them away from that, you know, finding out their triggers and stuff. I, I hate myself for saying that word. I hate myself for saying triggers, but... It's necessary. You know, you have to find out, you know, where their tipping point is. So, you know, for example, um, this is a uh, coping strategy that was uh, taught to me by my therapist. You know, if you ever feel like self-harming, just grab a handful of ice and just hold it. And let me tell you, it hurts like a bitch, but definitely helps it's definitely better than it's definitely better than you know losing blood because you know you're you feel like there's no help and you know there's always there's always hope you know there's always some something that can be changed you know you have to hold out but you know you have to be able to find the help you know it's it's okay to ask for help it's okay not to do it alone you know it's okay to ask someone you know I'm not feeling okay with myself, you know, and I could really use, you know, someone to talk to, would you mind if we just talk for a little bit, and oftentimes if they're a good friend, you know, they'll say yes, of course, and you know, a lot of times that can be very helpful, but you know, they're not a trained therapist, but, so, they can only do so much, you know, and a lot of times what happens, you know, 
if it's very superior, if it's MDD or something like that, you'll have, you know, one of the people that you could count on, you know, they'll be like, I don't know what you want me to do anymore, I can't help you, you know, it's a very crushing blow to hear that, but, you know, that can often be a good thing, because, you know, they realize, you know, it helped me, um, it helped me feel better, so, you know, maybe I should talk to someone who's trained to talk about this stuff, you know, that's why I say, you know, it's, it's a good thing to have a therapist, you know, it's not a bad thing, it's not, it's not necessarily, it doesn't mean you're insane, it just means that, you know, you, you want to get help for something that is causing you harm, you know, whether it be physical or mental harm, because depression is not just, you know, it's a combination of physical and mental symptoms, you know. Um, so, you know, you have to, like, for example, when, a lot of times when you suffer from depression, you know, you just, you feel very low energy, you know, you don't want to do anything, you know want to go anywhere, you don't want to do anything, you don't want to talk to anybody, and you know, this oftentimes makes it worse for some people, but for some people it can help, you know, like for people with, who have antisocial problems, you know, alone time is necessary for them, but not like to an extreme, like not like a week where you don't talk to anybody, it's, it's all about, you know, moderation and baby steps and everything, you know, you want to just be very, you want to be very careful with stuff like that, like, you don't want to force someone to do something they're uncomfortable with, because oftentimes that can be a, uh, that can cause problems, you know, can cause, like, you know, if you're making progress with something like that, it can cause a, uh, it can cause relapses, and then, you know, Another thing that comes with depression oftentimes, you know, you have people who don't take their their own depression seriously, and you know, they just, they joke about it, and you know, to a certain extent, it's okay, you know, humor's a great coping way, you know, a coping me mechanism, you know, it helps you escape that dark, dark corner of your mind, you know, fill it with some light, and you know, but that can only help so much, and especially when you're joking about your own depression, you know. I do it myself, and it's not healthy, and I'm trying to work on it, but, you know, and, you know, I believe that, um, I believe that humor in itself oftentimes comes from a very dark place, and, um, so, you have to understand, you know, what's, what's healthy and what's not healthy, you know, you know, it's depression to a certain extent. You know, you can make. I want to say it's okay to make a joke about it, but in the right context, you know, it's it can be like oh, you know, it's okay to have like a chuckle out of this. You know, but I would. There's certain points where it's you know, it's like all right, that's too far. That's not funny. You know, just take it easy, and then, you have to also understand, like, if you suffer from depression, you know, 
are you joking about it too much as a way to cope and you know because comedy can only put a temporary patch on it you know, it's sort of like almost like I can't even describe it it's just like you know, putting a cloth on a leak you know the cloth's only going to hold back the water for so long so you have to be able to know when it's healthy and when it's not and Like I said, this is a very, this topic hits very close to home because I suffer from MDD. So, you know, I just want to close out this episode by saying, you know, if you do suffer from depression, you know, it's, it's not as bad as it seems, you know, you want to, but, you know, get the help, you know, talk to somebody about it, get the help that you need. You'll never regret it. It'll be the best thing that ever happened. And, you know, if you're feeling like, you know, there's no hope left, you know, if anybody ever needs any help, um, you can come talk to me. I'd, I'll do my best to be there for you, you know. And, you know, if you don't have anybody to talk to, you know, there's always uh, the sui- National uh, Suicide Crisis Hotline, you know call them, you know, get even, no matter how mediocre it seems, you know, it helps, it will always help, you'll always feel better afterwards, and you know, anybody who, anybody who listens who has a family member or a friend who suffers from depression, y'all, I just want to let you know, be there for them, you know, it may not seem like it, but they do really appreciate it, they want you to be there. They may not realize it now, but in the long run, you know, they'll come to understand why it was important for you to be there, because, you know, they'll look back on a certain day where they are gonna, you know, they were gonna kill themselves, and, you know, but you were there for them, and you talked them down from that ledge, or you talked them into putting down the knife, or putting away the pills, or however they were gonna do it, you know, you talked them out of it, and they're gonna... One day they'll, one day I'm sure they'll end up thanking you in a very teary-eyed way, you know, you saved my life, or something like that, just, you know, I'm just saying, if you suffer from it, get the help, and if you know someone who suffers from it, be there for them. Uh, I know this has been a very, very uh, downbeat episode, you know. I'm sorry about that, you know, I just felt like this is something that needs to be talked about and addressed, you know, there's too many people that have to suffer, so, um, this has been the Sad Boys Podcast, if you liked it, share it with all your friends and family, just not your mom, she probably doesn't approve of what I talk about, so, enjoy your night, enjoy your day, enjoy your morning, enjoy your evening, whatever time zone it is for you, enjoy it, you never know, it could be our last day here, cheers friends. Thank you.